All right, welcome. All right, this is week number six. Believe it or not, <laughs> week number six, uh, Advanced Instructional Design uh, with Dr. Jacob Bryant at IWU. Uh, my name is Jason Nash, uh, and I, as I sit here, I cannot believe this is the sixth and final installment of my podcast series for EDUC uh, 560. Um, I do want to thank you, Dr. Bryant, for pushing me. I would have absolutely never <laughs> done this. I don't even know how to do it until you uh, push, push me. So, all right. Today, for the last week, we're going to be talking about something I actually really enjoy. Um, we're going to be talking about playing games in the classroom, game-based learning. I've heard uh, some new terms, uh, game-based learning, uh, gamification, I've heard. Um, but if you just ask an old teacher what they're doing, they might just say we're playing games in the classroom. And I want to talk about one of the things that comes up when you are playing games in your classroom. And this is pretty natural. Uh, many people will think that if you're playing, you're not learning. All right, so uh, I find that worrisome for a new teacher. So when I work with young teachers and I mentor them, I do play a lot of games with the children. But I make sure that we are learning as we go along. And that's that's tough. That's tough to make sure. So uh, let me let me backtrack a little bit. All right. Um, we're looking at a couple articles this week. Uh, one of the articles we looked looked at uh, from Mark Prensky, two thousand one. A couple quotes from his article. Our students have changed radically. Today's students are no longer the people our educational system was designed to teach. Uh, I, I look back at just my educational career. I started in Philadelphia 21 years ago now. Um, we had a computer in the back of the classroom in 2000. Uh, but when I tell you we had a computer, we had something back there that may or may not have worked. And uh, certainly with 33 students in a classroom, there was no regular routine we had with any computer back just 21 years ago. When I fast forward to 2020, even though we had a pandemic year, when I think back to what the classroom looks like or what the home looks like, I could have never envisioned doing a Google Classroom, uh, interactive Google Classroom, with 35-year-olds, 10 of which aren't speaking any English, but it's all possible now. So absolutely, when we say today's students are no longer the people our educational system was designed to teach, Prensky doesn't have to take a major leap there. He's not talking about people from uh, the 1800s. I, I can tell you from 21 years ago that the students that I have now, as compared to the students I had then, it's a whole different it's, it's a whole different world. Another, another quote, today's average college grads have spent less than 5,000 hours of their lives reading. 
but over 10,000 hours playing video games, not to mention 20,000 hours of watching TV. You know, you read that, and you kind of like, your stomach turns, doesn't it? Ugh, only 5,000 hours of reading, four times the amount of television. But if we're going to be honest, I, I bet you I'm right there in that boat. And I'm a reader. I am a reader. As a matter of fact, I just came back from Virginia with a dear old friend of mine, Dave. And uh, he'll tell you, I just sit on the beach and I just read stem to stern. I finished another book and I started another book already. Uh, but yeah, I certainly watch a lot of television. And 10,000 hours video games. Well, I know I play games on my phone too. So whew, digital world, I'm not sure. Uh so this is where it really calls for the teacher to make sure that if we're going to if we're going to put the technology in the classroom, we got to make it worthwhile. All right. So Prensky came up with some pretty cool things here. So what I wanted to look at was uh, one concern the administrators often have with game based learning. When they come into a classroom, they're going to see technology. But is the technology just there to keep children busy? Or are they learning something? So I can understand both sides of the fence here. Uh, the administrators making sure that the children in the, in the class are learning and the teachers need to make sure that the children are learning. So a lot of time we hear, oh, I found this website. Oh, I found this website. I like this. I don't like this. Uh, I really appreciate what our school has done. Our school adopted two, two games, if you will. Um, and the reason they adopt them is because they are, they are, Proven, they're research-based, proven success, all right? The more you play, the higher your achievement. So in my classroom, that's all they play. They can go home and they can play whatever they want, okay? But I know that the administrators coming in, they want to see technology, but they want to make sure we're not spinning wheels. I want to make sure that I can tell the parents, look, this is research proven. If you succeed in this program, you will succeed in reading. If you succeed in this program, you will succeed in math. So our school, uh, and again, I commend them, they've adopted firstinmath.com uh, by Dr. Sun. Uh, phenomenal for, for math. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. And lexia.com. And so our kids know that anytime they have downtime, they are to get on Lexia, they're, they're to get on first in math. Uh, we do a couple other programs as well that the school backs, but they're not research proven. So if you check my homework every day, I always ask them for a, a few minutes of first in math and a few minutes of Lexia, but not all night, okay? But if an administrator comes in my room and we see children on the computer, that's what they're going to be doing. Um, unless the administration pushes something else to us, that's what that's what they're going to do in our classroom. So firstinmath.com, lexia.com, both of which um, you do have to purchase a license for. Uh, but again, research and they are proven. So they're the two that I would use in a classroom. Dr. Bryan also asked us this week to select a game-based learning application that we have not used before. 
uh, and in the podcast, uh, do a review, strengths, weaknesses, whatnot. So uh, again, as you, as I've mentioned numerous times, I'm in kindergarten in Philadelphia. Lots and lots of children in the ELL program, language difficulty, whatnot. So first in math is always good because math is universal, okay? But when we get into Lexia, they do have a trouble. They do have a hard time with Lexia because they're still acquiring language. So my constituents uh, in kindergarten always refer to uh, abcya.com, abcya.com, and starfall.com, both of which I like. I have experimented with each. I love neither, and I'm going to tell you why. Because as compared to Lexia and First to Math, where I can go behind the scenes and see exactly where my student has started, where they stopped, how many minutes they've played in a program, what their successes are, what their weaknesses are, what they're having trouble with, what they're not having trouble with, Starfall and ABC, as soon as they log out, it resets. So that's my big thing. They are, if we're talking about primary, if we're talking about three, four, five, six-year-olds, they're both really nice websites. They're friendly, they're funny, they're easy on the eyes. But again, I want to say, the second the student logs off or they, whatever, it doesn't track their progress. When they go back tomorrow, they start over. Okay. So that's my biggest weakness with it. The strength is obviously they're fun. They're easy, kid friendly. Um, they cover everything that we do. They have phonemic awareness. They go letter by letter. They go sounds. They go letter recognition, all good stuff, except it doesn't track their progress. So I, I know Dr. Brian asked us to look at one, but I really wanted to give you two of them. So, you know, if kids playing at home just for fun, those two websites are great. But when they're in school and the teacher has to account for what the children are doing, uh, probably not the best because you, you can't have any, you don't get any data from either one. Okay. Uh, Dr. Brian asked us to look at some personal successes and concerns with game-based learning and uh, gamification implementation. Well, I am going to tell you, um, I'll toot my own horn a little bit here. I want to go back to firstthemath.com. Basically how it works is every two or three mathematical questions you get right, you get a sticker. And then your stickers add up throughout the year. So over the past three years in kindergarten, my 30 students have been the number one kindergarten in the entire United States of America. It's not me. All right. So I don't want people to go, oh, that's great. Yeah. It's not me. I'm not playing, but I will tell you what I am doing. I am letting every parent know that that's homework. I'm letting every parent know that this is proven. I'm letting every parent know if your son or your daughter plays first in math, your son or your daughter is going to do just fine in, in math. Heck, they may even do better than just fine. 
the last two years I've had students who, if you saw them, they're just a quiet little guy sits in the corner and just is just there, does his or her work. But I will tell you the last two years I've had students with over 25,000 stickers, meaning that that student did about 75,000 math problems in less than 180 school days. I just want to think about that. 180 school days is the most that we can have, right? And then I have a student with 75,000 math problems. Now that's over and above our math curriculum, what we're doing in the classroom with manipulatives. This is just them on, on their own, whether it's in centers or it's at home. I want to tell you that that is about 416 math problems a day that five and six-year-olds were doing over and above the regular classroom instruction. If you're a mom or dad and you know that your son or daughter is doing an additional 416 math problems at five or six years old each day for 180 days, I bet you're going to walk out pretty happy. Um, I get goosebumps when I think of kids doing that kind of work. All right. Um, and I pass that along and word spreads like wildfire in our school that if you come into my room, I'm going to push you and I'm going to push you hard. But at the end of the year, if you can, if you know that a child was doing an additional 416 problems a night for 180 straight days, well, that's not me. That's, that's the child. And that's, that's heart, teaching heart, teaching perseverance. Um, and I just think that's great. So I, I just, for personal success, I just want to say first in math just is unbelievable. I also talk about Lexia, and I don't want to discount it because Lexia is really good because it gives the teacher a behind-the-scenes look as to what level they should be at for each grade. So by the end of kindergarten, a student should be at level six. So I don't tell the parents on the first day of school, let's let's try to have Lexia and try to do this and try. I don't ask anybody to try. I ask you to do it. And the reason I do it and the reason I I, I act that way is because I care about your children. And when I care about them, I want to push them. I want them to be better than me. I don't want them just to do what they need to do. I want them to do it because they want to do it. I want them to get excited for their learning. So I tell them on the first day of school, I said, your goal is, is level six. And heck, for some of us, it's going to take 180 days to get to level six. For some of us, it might take 18 days to get to level six. But that is your goal. So I'm very big on setting goals, setting rewards, adding to the games. Um, but again, the two, the two that I'm going to latch on to here are going to be Lexia and First in Math. All right. And the last question that, that we wanted to look at today was how does game-based learning differentiate uh, for different educational needs? And that's simple. You play games when it's necessary, where it's necessary, but it's not 24 hours a day. It's not from 
opening bell to closing bell. Absolutely not. There's a place for it. There's a need for it. But you, you're the teacher. You're steering the ship. You can't play games all day, every day. All right? I want to go back and I want to talk about that, though, just for another minute. You can have fun in your classroom. Sometimes people think, well, if I can't play games and I can't have fun. Absolutely untrue. Your heart better be in it for these kids. If your heart's not in it, then forget it. But make it fun because if it's fun for you as the adult on material you already know, imagine how much fun it will be for a student to, one, play a game and then maybe win a prize or or just get some extra credit or just get an accolade or a high five or whatever from the teacher or a friend or be on the winning team and maybe learn a few things in the meantime. When I play games in these mini fashions, whether it's science, social studies, reading, math, you just have to make sure that you're meeting your daily objective. All right. And if you're in a school like mine, we have to post our daily objectives. And I'm actually okay with that because that way it keeps me centered. It keeps me grounded. It keeps me focused. So if I'm playing a game, I better make sure that if I'm in literacy, the game is centered around what's the setting of the story. It could be any story. All right. But I better focus on setting uh, or I better focus on main character or I better focus on uh, whatever it is that we are learning that day. All right. So I do think there's a time and a place for games. I'm a huge advocate of games, as you as you can tell by Lexi and First in Math. Um, I also enjoy Starfall and ABC. Had personal success, but I do think that you have to always, when you're playing like these little mini games, maybe even if it's just a little quick review or maybe if it's something in the beginning to begin a lesson, keep your eye on the prize. Make sure that you are always focused on what the learning objective is. If you get the learning objective, I think you're going to be fine. All right. Well, I think that's just about going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for EDUC 560 with Dr. Bryant. Uh, and again, Dr. Bryant, I want to thank you. I want to thank uh, Hannah and Heather for working with me again uh, in this class. Uh, everybody has really, you really uh, raised the bar, I think. Every time we take a class, I think we're, we're getting stronger as we go along. And I think uh, Dr. Bryant was really uh, good in presenting uh, some new material for us this time around. So uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, the six-part series, and I, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. See ya.